This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted. Intercepted. The next Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, The Game. Hey, everybody. Talking to you on a Friday. My name is Matt Bagley. Alongside the interwebs, I'm speaking with Justin Hopkins, and this is Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi, weekly Ducks podcast, focusing strongly on duck football. I, I, I wish, genuinely, I wish that I could pick your brain, my friend, about the Ducks schedule. <laughs> but there isn't a schedule, and and I'm honestly I'm really miffed by that. Like, I would assume the Pac-12 would have this stuff figured out by now. What do you think the holdup is? Yeah, I don't. I, I'm I'm well for starters. Uh, you know, for for those that don't know, Matt and I are recording this at about noon on Friday, and we waited until Friday because we kind of thought the schedule would be out, and you know, we pushed it back to the middle of the day. You know, at some point we got to record this thing, but. We keep waiting for it, and it's like, you know, what the heck, man? The Mountain West had theirs out, uh, what was it, yesterday or day before? And they started, you know, after the Pac-12, uh, you know, of resuming football and all that kind of stuff. And I, I'm, I'm, I get it, but let's 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 fa- let's be serious. It's six freaking games. I mean, this 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 thing should have been, they should have, you know, they've handled it all the same way. They've taken their sweet ass time with everything, you know, finally making the announcement to move forward. Finally you know, getting that out there and then, Oh, well, we'll, we'll get the schedule out. And here we are a week later, still waiting on the schedule. And, uh, I mean, honestly, you know, the, that thing should have been handled in two days. It should have been, you know, bang, bang, here you go. Uh, so I'm with you long story short, I'm with you. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm bummed. And I have to say that I'm not the least bit surprised that this is where we are. Yeah. (laughs) Not the least bit surprised. Um, I, I, I thought about it from my perspective as a broadcaster, the SEC has their schedule already out, and they've got it lined up with the TV networks. Um, same goes for the ACC. Same goes for the Big Ten. I think to an extent, they, they've you know they got the Big Ten network, and they have their agreements with ESPN. I I thought maybe the Pac-12 was waiting to announce because they wanted to cook up the best possible schedule for TV. But how much time is that going to take? Like you said, it's not like they're working with a full schedule. It's only six games and a conference title game. I right. I just – I'm not quite sure um, what is worth the holdup here. Yeah. I mean, you, you would – you would think that regardless of anything, all this stuff would have been put first off. I continued to be upset or not surprised or disappointed in the fact that there was no planning done prior to the big tens 180. And then as soon as they did, it's like, Oh crap, maybe we should do something too. It's like, man, you, you know, this should have been better planned from the get go. But that said right now, as I see things and we're talking about the schedule part of this only, if the schedule comes out, which I assume it'll come out about 30 minutes after we're done recording this podcast. It's just, just how things work. Um, and there's a bunch of great TV 
you know, if, if the Pac-12 does a really, really good job getting a lot of their marquee games on television, then I'll take it all back and say it's all worth it, and and I'll be okay with why this took a week. Mm-hmm. If not, and I have a feeling it won't be, it's kind of like, come on, guys, quit, you know, quit screwing yourselves over. Just let's get this thing going. Right. Um, you know, I, I think it's I think it's helpful to do that for the players, the coaches. I mean, I know everybody wants to start, you know, scouting their opponents. Um, it's my understanding, and I do believe that the the coaches and the ads and the presidents have all already seen the schedule. They know the schedule. Um, you know, so in terms, I think all that's left is really releasing it to the public. Um, but I guess you know, if the if the coaches have all seen it and know the schedule, they can at least beginning, begin preparing that way. Um, you know, I'm sure some of the players do, but it's just, you know, again, it's another, another thing that like becomes a talking point that shouldn't be a talking point. You know, this should have been done by Monday or Tuesday. And, you know, we should have been able to record a podcast yesterday without having to wait for this, but uh, it is the PAC 12. Yeah. I only hope, I only hope that the only positive I can see right now is it sure seems like limo Larry is getting a lot of pressure. He's, he's certain, it certainly looks like he's on a, on a uh, um, Clay Helton esque hot seat at the moment. Yeah. Well, I know, and 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 I love him or hate him. I know there's a lot of folks in the Scoop Duck community and just among Duck fans in general that hate him. But uh, I, my friend John Canzano with Oregonian, he's written about this before. This political rift where, if you ask the coaches. In football, men's basketball, women's basketball, what do you think about Larry Scott? You're going to get a different answer. Um, if you ask the athletic directors, what do you think about Larry Scott? You're going to get a different answer and a whole lot of people with a lot of questions and a lot of concerns about Larry Scott. But if you ask the school presidents, you get a different answer. And sure. I, I think what we're seeing happen, and maybe it's COVID, maybe it's just – a, a transition period. I think about uh, Ed Ray leaving Oregon State a couple years back. Uh, I think about the scandal at USC that forced a lot of administrative change there. Um, you know, Stanford obviously, for, for political reasons, they never tend to keep a school president for too long. Uh, that person ends up, you know, moving up on the chain and some other job that's of high esteem. I think what we have is a lot of school presidents looking back at the Pac-12 network situation and some of the negative headlines that have struck the conference, the the Vegas penthouse, the uh, bribes to the LA Times, and they're wondering why, right? And, and all of that stuff, all that negativity uh, surrounding the conference, I think is finally catching up to him. Well, and, 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 you, and you bring up a great point, Matt, and something that I probably hadn't thought a lot about to this to this certain point. But, you know, let's face it right now. You know, if you're Larry Scott, your number one job, the way you're graded, just like Mario Cristobal is graded on wins and losses at the end of the day, that's his job. You know, the rest of the stuff is almost filler. Are you winning or losing games? That's how that's how, you know, Mario Cristobal and every other coach gets gets measured up. Right. Well, for Larry, Larry Scott, it's not about wins and losses. It's about revenue. Are you making money or are we losing money? And, you know, the the Pac-12 has been fortunate to still be making, you know, a positive cash flow amount of money. It's making money as a conference. It's not making as much money as it should. But, 
if you're, uh, you know, if you're still seeing positive numbers, you know, he's probably got a, a, a little bit of a long leash there. At this point, with COVID pushing off football, the primary moneymaker for the Pac-12, all of these schools are now losing money. I mean, the University of Oregon sent out a thing to, to ticket donation people. Um, you know, hey, we're going to we're projecting to lose 60 to 65 million because wow. of having no fans wow. at games, you know, and, and so now all of a sudden you got everybody lo- losing. Everybody's going to lose money. Everybody's going to lose money because of, of, of the, you know, of what's transpired with the pandemic. And now everything goes under a microscope. Gosh, you know, as a conference, you know, why don't we have better TV deals? But, you know, we could have handled these losses better if we'd made more money. Um, you know, kind of amortized, if you will, uh, with relation to, you know, Larry Scott's number one job, and that is making money for the conference. And let's be real, he really hasn't done a very good job of that. No, no. And, and I, I think about it this way, all of these school presidents, it's, it's similar to the CEO of a business, but it's a little different in that you both have this very big picture mindset, a very administrative mindset of you're not doing a lot of tasks, but you're directing a lot of people to do those tasks. I guess you could say Mario Cristobal is a lot like that as the head coach at Oregon, uh, delegates more than uh, than he gets his hands in the dirt himself in a good way. Um, I think that what makes these presidents different in this situation is they're used to patience just because schools operate so slowly it might take two or three or four years to really see a vision come to fruition and I think they tried to be patient with Scott when he made the Pac-12 network and convinced the conference to go all in on this TV plan and now we've seen those chickens come home to roost. Um, yeah. they, they didn't have any games this fall yet to put on the network. So the network couldn't justify the price point. They had to lay everybody off. You know, Mike Yam out of a job. Uh, our good friend Yogi Roth, I think he's, he still does a little bit. But I know uh, Mike Yam, Rich Burke, some of the great broadcasters could put and, uh, you know, even better video producers and, and people behind the scenes could put right now. And I, I think the school presidents are looking at this and saying, we were promised something different, say, four or five years ago, and we try to be patient with it, but we don't right. see that final product right now. Right. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. It's been, you know, a fairly long road of, of just really – uh, you know, not any progress, I guess, is the key. If, if you're making progress, you know, you're going to buy yourself some time. And, and I, it's just, you know, everything at this point, you know, with the, the, the delay in schedule, the, the, the delay in, you know, uh, deciding to reverse, you know, course and playing a fall season, all these big, they are big decisions. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but all these very big decisions on the surface seem to have been handled pretty poorly and it and it sure looks like limo larry's under fire at the moment i mean i guess we'll see if he can survive or not but i i i definitely have my doubts i think all these things will now be amplified because even if football returns and unless he absolutely hits it out of the park with the networks in terms of scheduling there's going to be some major losses for all the universities with no fans you know in attendance their you know their donations 
uh, you know, numbers are all down across the board. Um, you know, Larry Scott's going to be in big trouble, which would be the only positive of 2020 that I can count on so far. If they did replace Larry Scott in the coming months, what's a good replacement look like for the Pac-12? Well, you know, I just feel like I, I, I have, it's not, it's something I've mentioned, but I haven't talked about a, a great deal, but I, I just feel like, um, you know, the, the addition of Merton Hanks to the Pac-12, um, you know, recently has just almost felt like a, you know, um, you know, like a grooming process. It's like, Hey, let's, let's get him hired. Um, let's get him in there, see how this kind of works out you get him to kind of see, you know, what Larry Scott's doing, what's, you know, what's working, what's maybe not working. I, I think there's a lot of grooming going on there with Merton Hanks. I've already heard from a number of people at different universities that feel like he has the makings of, you know, the, the guy we need of somebody that's going to get stuff done and, and continue to make this conference better. And I, I think that's the biggest thing right now. This conference as a whole is really taking it on the chin. I mean, just with the decision-making that's gone into, you know, delaying the season, right or wrong, delaying the season and then being the last to reverse it and taking so long. I mean, you, I mean, you, sh- you just see it on Twitter. You can see it in the media. The, the Pac-12 is taking it on the chin. I think the biggest problem right now is overall, and, and you know, and, and I do say that overall the Pac-12 football isn't very good. I mean, I think Oregon's a good team. Um, you know, might be an upper echelon top 10 level team. I guess we'll find out. Um, I have my doubts about Washington Stanford's basically just trying to find enough bodies to field the team at this point. It feels like, um, even if Cal ends up being a a bit of a surprise and a good team, I'm not sure that they're a great team. Um, you know, the conference needs, it needs better football. They, they need these guys to recruit better. Um, however it starts and, and ends, you really need to fix the, the reputation of the conference. It needs to be more respected. And that in turn will also not only with revenue, but that will help in recruiting because I see a, a, a pattern starting of the top players out West are getting poached by sec and ACC teams or Ohio state for that matter in the, in the big 10. And it's not very often if ever that you see any Pac-12 teams go in and pluck a highly regarded five-star out of the SEC or ACC footprint. It just never happens. And and if your top talent continues to leave your footprint and go to those other conferences, that becomes a really, really big problem that I'm not sure how you correct that. Um, The the quote that'll stick with me from that response, quote, the Pac-12 needs to get better at football. Football needs to get better. Um, (laughs) In, in this hypothetical world, Larry Scott is gone and Justin Hopkins is commissioner of the Pac-12. How does football get better? Well, you know, you, it really – how does football get better? Well, they need the money. They need the resources. You know, I think that's at the root of all of it. You, you've got to have the money. You've got to have the resources to hire great coaches, to hire great head coaches, to have the money for athletic directors, and then have the money for those head coaches to hire – staff. I mean, you look at it across the board, the PAC 12 as a staff, and I'm, and I'm saying GAs and recruiting staff and just all your personnel that go along in the football offices, you know, we're completely outnumbered against a lot of the SEC and ACC schools and the big 10 schools. You know, they, they've got a hundred people in the office and, and most, you know, PAC 12 schools have 50 or less, you know, so you're working with less people and all, all, you know, that's all money at the end of the day. 
Um, you know, so how does the conference make more money? Well, it's definitely got to get respectable. Um, you've got to do, you've got to get some better TV deals. Larry Scott really, really put them in a very difficult position right now in terms of making revenue. And as we know, we joke about it all the time, Pac-12 after dark, Pac-12 after dark is fun. It's great. But honestly, that should be like Wazoo versus Arizona state or something to that effect. That's too you know, teams that aren't really vying for a title. You know, you can't continue to put your best teams, that being Oregon or USC or, you know, if it's Washington at the time, in a 7 p.m. Pacific time slot. Nobody out east watches the damn game. Um, you know, so I, I think the Pac-12 really needs to work on better time slots, better arrangements within those networks, uh, which leads to bigger money and, and, and leads to more eyeballs. You know, you get those eyeballs on there, you put on a good football game, everybody gets a chance to see it you earn a lot of respect and, and it's really, it's just kind of a grassroots level sort of thing. You got to start at the bottom and work your way up, you know, as you do those things, as you hire better coaches, as they expand their, you know, recruiting and football staffs, they're able to then recruit better. And that brings, brings in better players into your conference. And, and let's face it. That's another thing that really hurt the conference as a whole, you know, as a, as a conference, you're obviously trying to showcase your top talent. Panay Sewell is a top five NFL draft pick. He should have been the face of the Pac-12 conference. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he's an elite player and he's gone. And the reason he's gone, you know, well, obviously he's a good player and he's going to go to the NFL, but the reason he's gone and not playing in this, you know, revitalized season that we're now seeing is because there was basically a decision to postpone the season and no activity after that. Had there been communication, had there been, hey, look, you know, we're probably going to end up playing in January, but we might play in October. We might play in November. You know, all these things come up and at least there's communication, at least there's effort, at least there's planning. And there was none. So, I mean, there was really no decision for a guy like Panay Sewell, but to go into the NFL draft because you just assume that your conference isn't playing. Mm -hmm. And you know that hurts the conference, too. You lose an opportunity to boost the conference by having, you know, a, a, a two time Outland Trophy winner back in your conference or a guy that might even who knows end up uh, at the Heisman ceremony uh, as an offensive lineman, which is something that is unheard of, but really it's semi plausible um, at least, at least from what we saw last year. So um, it, it's just, it's, it's really rough. And I guess the number one thing is get the schedule out, get these guys going and hope like heck you can get all six games in because if, if, you know, any of these schools end up having to cancel a game or two, um, you know, and you're playing a four game season. I'm, I'm not really sure what you've accomplished at that point. Right. Right. Um, so that was a fun hypothetical. Yeah. We went down a rabbit hole. You, you, <laughs> you brought up pac 12 after dark and some TV scheduling. I'm curious. Cause I've read, this is actually something that the ADs are still mulling over. Um, since there's no fans in the stands, there's no tailgates to worry about, and 9 a.m. kickoffs might be a thing. What do you think about that? Um, I, for me, I would probably look at it, um, you know, through a lens of, you know, at this point, you, you have to assume that you're going to get a, at least a reasonable enough TV deal that, you know, some of your games, if you're Oregon at least, some of your games are going to be on TV. When are, when are most people apt to watch are they going to watch in the middle of the day are they going to watch in the morning or are they going to watch seven o'clock at night as fun as pack 12 after dark is you lose a even on the west coast you lose a very big part of your viewership right because okay? right. let's just face it i go to seven, bed at halftime i'm, I'm yeah. a morning person yeah i mean most people don't stay up for the whole game uh you know you've got folks that are probably 
you know, north of, of 60 years old that, that, that maybe get to see the first quarter at best if they, you know, if it's not their team. Um, so yeah, I, I think you'd find that your viewership at nine in the morning would be, uh, just fine. It would be better than Pac-12 after dark. I love Pac-12 after dark. Don't get me wrong, but you need to look at this, you know, financially. The second thing is, 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 you know, what's going to be easiest or best on the student athlete. You know, is it, if, if there's a nine o'clock kickoff and those guys basically do for the most part, it's about three hours. They have to be there and eat their meals and get their stuff on and do their walkthroughs and get, you know, get loosened up. Um, you know, you're talking about three to four hours there usually is kind of the window. Uh, so you'd have to have guys that are somewhere between five and 6 AM. That's, that's pretty tough. Um, so I'm not so sure that that would be great. Um, I think nine is definitely pushing it. I, I think from a viewership standpoint, playing that early in the morning wouldn't be a, a terrible thing, but I'd certainly think that, you know, I would think for me, if it was me and I know they don't have this window, but you know, 10 o'clock is about the earliest I'd think you'd want to do it. Cause under that three or four hour window, you know, you're talking about student athletes having to get there between six and seven, which is manageable. Five and six is early. That is really early. Um, especially if you're considering that these are 20 year old that are probably playing video games till three in the morning, like mine do. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I'm sure it could be done, but I, I, I just, I think you'd be better served by, you know, trying to get as many games in a noon slot as you can. Uh, you know, there's that three and four o'clock slot. Those are both pretty good, but you got to get your games on before five. Um, and even then you start to push it on the East coast. So I, again, if you can get as many games as you can between, you know, the 12 and, and four o'clock slot, I think you're going to be okay. But um, you, you, you just cannot line it up with, you know, if, if you get talked into having a bunch of football games on at the 7 and 7.30 kickoff, you know, you've completely limited your viewership. And right now you need all those eyeballs on the TV and all that ad revenue that you can get to make up some of the losses. Yeah. I, I'm curious, though, and I, I don't mean to, like, poke <clears throat> or pick at anybody for this. I just... I don't know how feasible that is uh, of getting the noon kickoffs, getting like the prime time 4 p.m. kickoffs, just because those slots are already taken, right? You got the right. SEC, Big Ten, ACC. Um, I, I uh, applaud the Pac-12 if they think that they can do the daily testing necessary to keep the players safe. I think that's great, but if you're stuck with 9 a.m. or 9 p.m., I wonder if that's really worth it. Yeah, no, I mean, you bring, you bring up another great point, Matt. I mean, it's at this point, you are a beggar, not a chooser because you're, you know, you're the last one to the table. Uh, you know, you're, you're the last one in the door. Um, you're, you're, t you're taking the leftovers at this point, you know, the, even, you know, the sec and the big 12 that never wavered, you know, they, they got all the prime slots. Now I'm sure that there are some networks that would love to feature your games and probably have some open slots um, to fill. And, you know, everybody wants Oregon. Okay. I mean, let, let's face it. It's not just because the Ducks right. are good and Mario Cristobal. I mean, it's a, it's a easy sell team. You know, everybody's going to want Oregon on their networks in some, in one way or another. Um, but that won't be the case for everybody in the conference. You know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of networks are going to be happy to have USC on their network. But uh, again, the conference needs to get some, you know, they need to figure out a way to get Cal out there and let Cal earn some respect this year. Um, and I, I think they're going to be a good football team. Um, you know, you've got to figure out a way to get ASU out there and let that program, you know, grow and develop and, and, and 
see better revenue um, because I think while they might not be a top contending team, I think they're kind of a fun team to watch. And I think most people would like to watch that offense work. And, and, and Herman Edwards always makes for a good post-game interview. Yeah. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, I think there's some, there are some options there, but yeah, you're, if you're Larry Scott, you know, right now you have to get a little bit creative with, you know, getting your games um, in some time slots that matter, because once again, you're the last one in the party and, and, you know, all the other conferences are basically, um, you know, eating up all the primetime slots. How's the recruiting world look right now? You know, Pac-12 comes out and says, we're going to play. Have you seen any sort of uh, boost on the recruiting front due to that? Um, I have not. Um, you know, I haven't seen a boost. I think, you know, when you and I started recording and, and there was, you know, there was all the uncertainty of football and of which conferences would play, which would cancel, if any would cancel, if they'd get to play. And, you know, we said this over and over at the time, like if the Pac-12 is one of the first schools to cancel, which they were, and, you know, not everybody else does, they're, they're going to take it on the chin. Well, they've taken it on the chin. And, and I think they've salvaged a small bit of respect in regards for bringing, bringing it back. And I think they can definitely, you know, earn a little bit more respect if Oregon or USC or somebody can make a run and be considered for a playoff spot or perhaps get a playoff spot at the end of the day. Um, you know, but until those things have happened right now, it, you know, there is no doubt in my mind in the world that, you know, the big 10, the big 12, maybe not the big 10 as much, but the big 12 um, and the SEC and ACC, you know, they're out here recruiting some of the top level talent in the 21 and 22 class. And I guarantee, you know, their ammunition full, full on has been, Hey, the, you know, the PAC 12 doesn't take football serious people out West don't take football serious, come play for us, you know, and, and at the moment, at the moment, yes, there's been some postponements. There's been, you know, there's been some, some games delayed or whatever the case might be because of COVID, but nobody's really gotten really sick. Nobody's died. None of, nobody, you know, I mean, they haven't, there hasn't been any major bullet point to say like, see, this is what you get for, you know, moving forward and not delaying the season. So, and, and again, I'm not getting on here and being like, hey, they got it right. We got it wrong. COVID's fake. And I'm just saying, optically, if you're 17, 18 years old and you've got, you know, Kirby Smart or Dabo Swinney on the phone or text messaging you saying, hey, we take football serious out here. Come out here to play. That carries a lot of weight. Now, I mean, you know, Mario Cristobal can recruit the best of them. So I know, you know, he's figuring out ways to combat it. But that links back to what I said five, 10 minutes ago about, you know, the Pac-12 has a problem, identity problem. They need to fix it because it's impacting recruiting. They need the, re the good recruiting and the, and, the, and the players, you know, to be able to sell for advertising. This conference needs to make more money as a whole. And, uh, you know, recruiting is definitely something that's involved in that. Yeah. All right. Um, that's, that's really all I have in terms of uh, duck football questions. Want to jump in on five games? Yeah, I mean, I, as as we sit here, I don't know about you. I had a tough time coming up with five games, but uh, you know, as we sit here talking about Oregon football and waiting the schedule, at least we're inching closer towards football. At least we're inching closer towards the Ducks being on TV or or streaming or whatever they end up doing. Um, so I, you know, I'm at least excited about that, and uh, just the fact that uh, you know the, the Ducks are back in in Eugene. Um, they're doing some of, I don't know how to phrase it, but they're basically doing this week. They've spent doing a week of like conditioning, um, uh, you know, helmet only, no pads, no contact, you know, just trying to get everybody kind of 
you know, back in the swing of things. And, and, and I know it's more intense than that, but it's not practice yet. Um, you know, I was told, and I posted on the site next Friday, um, which is, what is next Friday? Today's the second. So the ninth, so a week from today, next Friday, um, will be Oregon's first, uh, practice of the fall, an official practice of the fall as they start, you know, the four week fall camp that they'll have from that. So, um, you know, this week and most of next week, they're still doing their, you know, conditioning and, and everybody's out of quarantine and all that went well. Um, so we're inching closer and closer and I know folks are excited. I'm excited. You're excited. Um, I think we're probably so hard on Larry Scott, not getting the schedule out because of our excitement. Um, I know that probably applies to me, but, uh, but yeah, there's some good folk. There was some great football on last week. Last week was awesome. Mm -hmm. And I think there's some, there's some, there's a couple really good games this week. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can pick five games. Uh, if you're new to us, if you just listen, this is a weekly segment we do during college football season where we pick five games that are going to be on TV this weekend and we talk about them. And we tell you what we're excited about. Usually we don't put a duck game in here, so it's uh, kind of fitting because we don't have a duck game to hype up. But we got right. five more. Five games that we love this week. And you go first. Okay. Uh, you want me to go first? I'll, I'll rattle off a couple uh, I'm going to guess we have a couple that cross over because there were some obvious ones that, that should make the list. Um, but I actually did. I did put uh, Louisiana Tech versus BYU, uh, which is a Friday game, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. That, so that's later tonight. Yeah. I'm pretty excited for that one, actually. Um, I've been really impressed with BYU so far. I mean, they, they've looked like a hell of a football team, both sides of the ball, um, putting up a ton of points. Um, they just look like they – you know, hit the ground running and never really had any hiccups. So, and I think Louisiana Tech's a, you know, a good team. It'll be a good test for them. Um, so, and it's Friday. I mean, it's Friday. It'll be a great, great night to have a, have a beer or barbecue or whatever you're doing and, and turn on the football game and, and enjoy what I'm expecting to be a shootout. Uh, obviously a no brainer for Saturday, tomorrow, Texas A&M versus Alabama. That's number 13 versus number two, 1230 game uh, on CBS. So, I mean, I, I would imagine you probably listed that one, Matt. Um, personally, for me, just on paper, I think Texas A&M is a good team. I don't think they're a great team. I think I think Alabama steamrolls them tomorrow. But uh, um, I guess we'll see that, uh, you know, it's kind of time for Jimbo Fisher to, to work, work uh, make some of that big contract he signed getting pulled over from FSU. <laughs> um, and then I'll do a third game here. Okay. I'm going to guess you have this one, too. I have number seven, Auburn, right. versus number four, Georgia, 430 game. Obviously a no-brainer there. Uh, actually, that's uh, for me, that's a tough game to pick there because I didn't think Georgia was – I don't know that Georgia is a top-four team. I think they're a good team once again. Um, I, you know, again, Auburn at number seven, I think they're a good team, not a great team. So I think they're going to be fairly evenly matched overall. Um, you know, obviously this game's going to – really hinge on quarterback play because Bo Nix for Auburn is, I mean, he's streaky. He's either really good or he's really not. And so you just, you, you know, I know he's, I know he's young. I know he's only a sophomore, but still he's, you know, he can, he can win it for Auburn or he could lose it for Auburn. It's unfair to put it on his shoulders, but it kind of is. So, yeah. uh, but you know, that should be a good game. So that's uh that's three of the ones that I had. 
Uh, I'm sure I took two of yours, Matt, but hopefully you got a couple more. No doubt. No, we two out of three we match right now. Um, I didn't have the BYU game tonight, and that's just simply because I'm not sure how many people are going to be listening to this tonight or listening to this podcast tomorrow or listening to it uh, during the week. So I, I didn't put that down, but I'm right there with you on everything you said about it. Cougs look for real. And, um, you know, blowing out Troy, blowing out the Naval Academy, that's going to be a fun matchup tonight, 6 o'clock ESPN2. Um, the, the one game you didn't have that I had so far, uh, 9 a.m., Sam Ellinger is fun. And Texas is back. I'm going TCU Texas, 9 a.m. on Fox. I want to see that team again, see them put up some points. Um, I, I've always loved that TCU defense that Gary Patterson runs and the, the creativity that he can display in pass coverage. I think it's going to be a really interesting litmus test for that Texas team. And then obviously uh, Bama A&M, 1230 on CBS, and we've got that on the radio locally. I think that's the Westwood One game this week. So uh, I know I think it's 750 in Portland and uh, – <coughs> excuse me, um, <clears throat> and a few stations elsewhere in the state that are going to carry that. Um, you got Bama. you got Saban. They're the machine. They're always top of the polls and, you know, at the top of people's minds. And I know you've mentioned this in years past. Maybe A&M isn't a great team this year, but just in terms of recruiting, they always put up great recruiting numbers and uh, and soar in the rankings so the potentials there they just haven't made the most of it and want to want to see that game see how they stack up and then Auburn Georgia 430 on ESPN I think that Georgia is an interesting case study for how people view football teams because I am of the belief that a good football team doesn't necessarily need a good quarterback, but a great football team always needs a good quarterback. And and so that's my question for Georgia. I don't know if they're just another good team or if they're one of the four great teams in the country right now, and I think we find out Saturday. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I don't think they're a great team. I think they're a good team. You know, I think Oregon – I think so far, you know, out of all, all those teams that at least we've seen – I think Oregon has would have the opportunity to beat Auburn and Georgia mm-hmm. and probably Texas A&M. I don't know if Oregon would have the horses to beat Alabama. You know, that's, that's, that's one team that looks for real. No. Um, I also, I had two more. I added uh, just, I don't know. I don't know why I keep doing this, but I added Jacksonville state versus Florida state. I mean, is, is Florida state about to go right. for another, you know, over, I mean, uh, and that's a one o'clock game, so it kind of filled that slot on ESPN three. I I don't know. I kind of feel like Jayville State might be, you know, on upset alert. I'll, I'll uh, say it this way: my dad loves bad television, uh, like bad reality shows. He calls it trash TV. Right. There's nothing wrong with watching trash TV every now and then. Kind of clear your pores. Uh, Bridezilla is this way for my fiance and I. We'll watch that every <laughs> now and then and just marvel, you know, or ninety day fiance like. It's just horrible shows. Horrible shows. There's nothing wrong with trash TV. That's what Florida State is right now. 
yeah, it's 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 there's something to be said for that, you know, train wreck in slow motion, you know, and that's <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of what it is. Uh, my fifth game is uh, Memphis and SMU, Ooh. and I don't I don't know why I just kept looking at that game, and I I went up and down the list a couple times, and I my eyes just kept going, you know, they're both three and zero. It's a twelve thirty game on ESPN two. I to me. It just has the makings of a really fun football game. You know what I mean? Just like it's going to be, it's going to be fifty-five to fifty-eight. You know, some high-scoring. You know, shoot them out, big plays. So I don't know. I just I kept going back to that, thinking, man, that, you know, they're both three and zero. They're going to have a lot on the line. I, I just think it's going to be huge, explosive plays and super high-scoring, um, and just very entertaining. I like the logic. I didn't have either of those games, but I like the logic there, especially with Memphis. My my dad has always said um, that's like his sneaky, um, hidden hidden right. favorite team because right. he's he's a West Coast guy, he's a Pac-12 guy, um, but he loves going to Memphis on business trips, and he's always right. had a soft spot for that team. They play so fun. Uh, for me, I had. Arkansas, Mississippi State, 430, mm-hmm. SEC Network. The Pirate is for real. And and he just absolutely demolished LSU last week. KJ Costello kicking butt. I loved that performance. I want to see it again. I want to see that air raid go up against another SEC school. Um, that's 430 on SEC Network. And then the other game I had, I, I've said this every week and I'm sticking to it. I want to use this season to watch more group of five schools and and put some focus that way. If the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to be late to the party, I want to watch some G5s and, and give them some love. So for me, that means UCF Tulsa. I think that's uh, 4.30 on ESPN2. That's a matchup where UCF is going to be favored. UCF is the better team this year, but they got a little revenge game narrative because I think Tulsa got the better of them last year. So they're going to be fired up. They're going to bring it. And you get to see right now the number 11 team in the country and maybe the best that the G5s have to offer. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's fun. I looked at that Arkansas Mississippi state game too. I I did not have the Tulsa game. Obviously I, I wasn't on my radar, but I did have that Arkansas versus Mississippi state game. And I looked at it and I looked at it and I honestly think, I honestly think Arkansas wins that football game. Wow. I mean, I I wouldn't be shocked. It's Mike Leach. Right. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the Mike Leach thing to do. Right. You just beat the defending champs and, and made them look silly. I mean, that was an air raid clinic, air raid clinic. They're going to be showing tape of that LSU uh, upset that Mississippi state pulled off. They will be showing tape of that game for decades of people teaching the air raid because it was all the same crap that Leach has run forever. Yep. It would be so fitting that he just gets drilled in this game. Well, that's, I mean, that's a hundred percent Mike Leach. He, he, in the PAC 12, he beats Oregon, you know, Oregon's number five or whatever top ranked team. He beats Oregon and then ends up losing to like Arizona the next week. And just like I was talking about with Auburn and, and Bo Nix, I mean, that, 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 uh, that Mississippi state team, a hundred percent lives and dies with KJ Costello, who was also inconsistent. He had some great moments, which obviously ended up helping them win the game. But he had some other moments, particularly in the first half, where you're kind of like, this guy's a grad transfer. He's not a freshman. You know, just some s- stupid mistakes. So, uh, again, you know, they'll win and they'll win and lose. 
with KJ Costello. And I think, uh, you know, it's pretty obvious, but I think KJ is going to come crashing back down to earth with, uh, with that offense and, and the, and the, and the tape on display of week one. I think, I think Arkansas upsets that game and that's, I I don't know. Maybe it's just going to be a lot of fun to watch that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I hit pretty much every topic I wanted to talking duck football. Um, I, I can't wait for basketball season, to be honest, because yes. I want to pepper yes. you with Duck Hoops questions once we get there. Um, like, I, I'm already getting I, – I forget where I heard this. Somebody said Kelly Graves is going to use Sedona Prince like Jokic from the Nuggets, and I, right. I started salivating because I, I totally agree, thinking about all the, the uh, X's and O's on that side. But I don't want to get too amped up into it. I feel like we have a couple more weeks to really – you know, let that meat simmer and uh, right. and get to it. But it's shaping up to be a pretty interesting October. Well, and you know, I, this isn't part of five games, but there's also a good UFC fight card on tomorrow night. Holly Holm is fighting. It's yeah. a free free card on ESPN. So that'll be like that'll be like Pac-12 after dark, but it'll be UFC after dark. You know, at seven o'clock. Uh, so at least we'll have that. And then, yeah, I'm with you on basketball. I'm excited for both men's and women's. I'm really interested to see what Dana Altman does. I'm really interested to see, you know, Kelly Graves in the, you know, post-Sabrina era, uh, the the post-Ruthie, the post-Satu era, and just, you know, how he was able to reload and what that team looks like. Because I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be as effective as, as having Sabrina. No, they don't have a Sabrina on the team, but I think they have, you know, one through five, I think they have a better team overall. Um, than he's probably ever had. And I love me some Ruthie and Satu. I mean, they're, they're ballers too. So yeah, I'm excited for both those, uh, you know, to get talking about both of those as well. And as I look at it, it's about 10 minutes to one o'clock and you and I are, are finishing this up, which means oh, no. at some point, oh, in the next no, three, no, yeah, sure don't it, even say well, it. No, it hasn't happened. I'm just saying in the next 20 to, you know, 20 to 30 minutes, they're going to release the schedule. I can almost guarantee it. Uh, uh, hey, Hey, just serious question. You haven't tipped your hand on this at all. I've seen the the boards every day. When do you honestly think they reveal the schedule? Uh, I mean, I guess they do it this afternoon about four or five. Oh, okay. Yeah, kind of like they did last week. They'll do it around four or four thirty. All right. Uh, I haven't I haven't heard that. Uh, I mean, obviously, I was ahead of whoops. I was ahead of the curve on that last week. Uh, you know, in terms of them announcing a uh, resuming, but uh, I haven't heard anything on it. You know, this week in terms of announcing the schedule, but that's what I think. Well. I, that's good for the fans. I hope they don't do it today. I, 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 I know the I coaches. Have, I know the coaches have seen it, and you know it's it's being it's being heavily. They they don't want it getting out, and so it's being heavily. It's a heavily guarded secret. So I know that you know it's been distributed to the teams. It's just a matter of getting it to the fans at this point. You got to think it's you know I can't imagine they'd want to do it on a Saturday. That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. Friday news dump, even though that's going to make my life a living hell tonight. Probably yours as well. I'll um, be on the golf. I'll be on the golf course. So that's exactly why I have oh, tea time at three thirty. So that's that's exactly what's going to happen, people. Yeah. Just so you know. Well, I mean, this happens. It's not just you. I know Preem makes this joke too that every time he goes on vacation, there's something big. For me, it's whenever I. I, I, I prep the radio show. I've got a notebook where I break down all my segments, and I have like three topics a segment um, for my for my show that I do in Medford, 96.1, 580 the game. 
And if I get ahead in my prep, like if the notebook is full by, say, 1 o'clock, and I take a break, maybe go run some errands, you know, get my car oil change or, you know, go pick up a coffee or something somewhere, that's a guarantee that something big is going to happen. Right. So I, yeah. uh, well, I, I remember like two years ago, I went to Mexico for vacation. I right. think it was two years ago. Right. And there was like four commits in the six or seven days I was going. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it. Ha- I mean, it, and it happens and that's just, you know, that's part of, I mean, you know, you know, as well as I do this job, you know, these jobs offer a lot of flexibility in your scheduling and stuff, but they do also, you know, impact your, your personal life at certain times as well. But that's, you take the good with the bad. Yeah, well, certainly. Pac-12 fans hoping to take the good with the bad. Schedule's going to come out any minute now. I, I think they're just working out the details. Like Justin said, expect the news dump sometime when the media doesn't want it. Uh, my name is Matt Bagley. He's Justin Hopkins. And we're with Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. We just had International Podcast Day this past week. I implore you, celebrate International Podcast Day with us. Uh, listen to the pod. Share the pod. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Tune in. And I promise you... We, we don't do a lot of gimmicks to raise our reviews or garner thousands of ratings or get the word out on social media. We just put out good content every week. So if you care about that, give us a listen and uh, share the pod with somebody. Tell them, you know, Duck fans, tell them they should be listening to this. Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Go Ducks. I can do this now.